0: Welcome to the Hardwick Evangelical Church Weekly Podcast. We're on our um, Advent series at the moment, um, and uh, last week David ta- told us about gold, um, and he said that gold was something that, that kings has a lot of. And that uh, it was it was a gift fit for a king and um, yes because it, it, it was a sign of wealth it was a sign of royalty of nobility and in fact um, you probably know the story you can read about it in 1 Kings uh, 10 if you want when the Queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon she brought with her one of the things she brought with her was lots of gold because that's what you brought to a king um, And it was a sign of, you know, you were honouring this person apart from anything else. Now, does anybody have any idea what we might be talking about today? (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about frankincense. Um, And uh, we're talking, our Advent series is is covering the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. Um, What we've got burning here isn't actually incense, I couldn't get any incense to burn. It's a sort of Christmas mixture of spices and things like that. But I don't think people over here can necessarily smell it, but people over here are coughing and can definitely smell it. Don't worry, you won't do it again. <laughs> but as I was reading, it's quite interesting, as I was reading um, some things about incense in the, in the Old Testament, um, one of the things uh, that would happen was once a year the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would be burning incense. And um, one of the things was it, it was very smoky. And, um, and for that reason, I think he could not see the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. It sort of hid the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and he didn't die. And that's kind of, I don't know if it does to you, but it kind of pings off all sorts of other verses of Scripture about well, you know where where God says to Moses, you can't see my face and live. And um, I wonder if that was, it, what was happening in the Holy of Holies sim- symbolically you can't actually see God and live. So this smoke sort of covered that. But um, I guess it must have been very smoky. So this is just a little taste of what it might have been like. So just be happy you weren't a, pri- a priest in the Old Testament. Okay, a high priest in the Old Testament. So we said that gold was, was to recognize um, Jesus' kingship. It was a gift you brought to royalty. Um, frankincense um, has other connotations, and um, as brought to Jesus, there are lots of different ways you can you can look at, at this. And I'm going to go down one avenue, but you know we could probably spend a whole series talking about this, um, the things involved. Frankincense um, kind of uh, denotes purity, and also perhaps divinity. In fact, there's been um, some research done recently um, that David alerted me to, (laughs) which is that um, when bodies were mummified in Egypt, we've thought for a very long time that they were mummified in order to preserve the body. But actually, frankincense was used as part of that mummification process, and it seems to be that actually the thought behind it was that they were actually Making this person divine. So as they moved from this life to the next um, they moved into divinity. So it's connected with God being a God. Um, And so that's what divinity is. Frankincense in the Old Testament was used a lot in the sacrifices and the offerings I should say, the offerings that were given to God. And um, so they were part of the holy ritual, if you like, um, that was involved in um, allowing people to be in the presence of God. So that's what it was used for. It was used um, as, as part of that offering, an offering that says, we offer this to God and it makes us um, it makes us if you like pure, not quite the way to say it, but but um, it means that we can actually be in the presence of God. So it has this idea of purity. It has this idea of offering. It has connotations with it of um, being able to be in the presence of God. And interestingly, the only sacrifices or, or, or that it wasn't included in, or offerings, was the sin offering, where you were, if you like... To think of it like this, bringing something to God to take away your sin or to, to cover your sin for the following year. Because you're not bringing, in that sense, at that moment, you're not bringing something pure to God. You're bringing all your yuck <laughs> to God for him to remove it. So it's quite interesting. It's associated, therefore, it's associated with divinity. It's associated with offering. In order to bring us into the presence of God, it's associated with purity. And um, gold, frankincense and myrrh, there is, there is an, uh, an account. Don't worry about those, I'll pick them up later. Um, there is an account of a king in the 3rd in the <coughs> century BC who brought gold, frankincense and myrrh to offer to the god Apollo. So it's not an unusual combination in that sense or it, there is certain precedent for it that you bring this whole thing, gold, frankincense and myrrh, to a god. And I, I just wonder what the, um, what the wise men were thinking um, when they brought these things. They, they went to the palace, first of all, because that's what they, where they assumed this child was going to be born. They presumed he was royal, humanly royal, (laughs) um, as part of the, the, the royal line. I wonder what they thought when they ended up going to this small guest room in a house where the animals were around as well and had these very, very rich and luxurious gifts. Well, the Bible tells us, doesn't it, that they offered them to Jesus and they fell down and worshipped him. There's something that they recognised despite his, the poverty of his circumstances, despite the inauspicious beginning, as they saw it, his birth. They worshipped him. They recognised something about him. And as we think of these um, gifts, um, they lead us to... to, to to ponder all sorts of things because they are associated with all sorts of things. Um, Kingship, royalty. um, Robbie's going to talk to us next week about myrrh. I won't steal his thunder in any way. um, And we'll find out what that might be about next week. But um, the, the thing that I want to focus on today is that the person who Was involved in um, bringing this incense to God on behalf of the people was the high priest. And um, the high priest was um, a person, um, a person set apart, appointed to be a mediator, if you like, between God and people. He brought The people's offerings um, to God and the blood from the sacrifices to God to purify people and he brought God's the teaching from God to the people who was a mediator and frankincense was involved in in that process and what I want to look at therefore is Jesus as our high priest now we don't have priests and high priests in our our tradition Um, But we're going to have a little look at that. And we're going to be looking in Hebrews. And I'm going to jump about a bit between um, the end of chapter 7 and the end of chapter 4. So I'm going to kind of go between the two to kind of explain a bit of Jesus as the one who... Um, is our high priest the Bible says that we're all priests and kings to God we are all in that that we can come to God we can if you like take God to other people that's the role of all of us I'm not as a minister I'm not the priest in this congregation it's not me um, who if you like stands in that place between the congregation and God I know in some traditions that's that's the belief, but it, it's not ours. We take what the Bible says about us all being um, a royal priesthood that we are. we can come to God ourselves. okay? But um, this is a great picture of what Jesus did um, as being our high priest. So the priest, as I said, um, brought the offerings to God for the people. And sometimes this was sacrifices to animals, and sometimes it was a grain offering. It could be a whole host of things. Um, so, looking at chapter seven of Hebrews, and I'll just um, just summarise the beginning of chapter seven. Um, the, the, the writer goes back and forward a bit in his argument, so sort of that's why I'm hopping about from a couple of chapters. What he says is the high priest wasn't perfect. The high priest had to offer sacrifice for his own sin, in the Old Testament, and the sin of the people it wasn't perfect. And the priests died after a while, and so you had another high priest, but. Um, Reading from verse 23, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, (coughs) exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. Now, when I read that last line, my, my mind immediately goes to, was he imperfect before then? Um, and I think quite often you sort of jumped to opposites. But made perfect, um, there are two things about this. One is, it is, um, if you go back into the Hebrew of the Old Testament, the equivalent is a word that was used about somebody being made the high priest. So it's 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 meaning that. And it also means to make complete. So it's not that Jesus was imperfect, and then he was made perfect in the way that we think, you know, without any blemish or moral failure or, you know, whatever. It's, it's that he changed from this role to this role. He, he was son, and he became the high priest, and, um, uh, yeah, through his death. Um, Now, the main point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a human being, a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. Let's just stop there. Um, no, 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 let's, go to, let's go to verse 6. In fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs, the other high priest's, as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. All right. I'm going to stop there and move back um, to uh, the end of chapter 4. But just to say that what that's saying is that there was the Old Testament covenant relationship with God um, involved sacrifices, sacrifices sometimes daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever. Um, It involved a sort of continuing sacrifices and offerings to God because the law could not save us. If it could, you'd only have had to do one sacrifice and that was it, forever. But it couldn't save us. It points at the law, the Old Testament, points out if you like that we are we 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 are inadequate in the sense of we are not um, in that perfect relationship with god yeah it points out where we go wrong but it can't actually save us and so we we so that these sacrifices were necessary to if you like bring people back into relationship with God, to remove the obstacles for a while. And then after a while, another sacrifice would have to happen. And that's the whole point. Well, not the whole point. It's a lot of the point about Jesus is that he only needed to um, offer himself once because he was perfect. He wasn't like the old high priests who had to sacrifice for their own sin as well as everybody else's. Jesus didn't have to do that. His, his offering of himself was purely for us. So, let's go back then to the end of chapter 4, verse 14. Um, yeah. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Right, and then it talks about, I'll just read it. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this on on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I've become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now we could do several sermons on Melchizedek, but the point from here is that Melchizedek was a you can either call him a kingly priest or a priestly king without beginning and without end so that's, that's, the, that's the important bit about Melchizedek for this reading is just like, just like Melchizedek Jesus is a kingly priest who has no beginning and no end. and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, that's lots of words, lots of references to the Old Testament that the the original hearers would know exactly what was going on, and we don't uh, necessarily. But what, what this is saying is, first, it was necessary for Jesus to be human, to live as a human being, To be tempted just as we are. To suffer as we do. In order for him then to redeem us. Yeah? And through that process he was made perfect. Not that he was imperfect and became perfect. But he was made complete. If he hadn't gone through what he went through... If he hadn't become human, if he hadn't died on the cross, if he hadn't been raised again, then our salvation wouldn't have been achieved. Yeah? You get that? Yeah, good. <laughs> so that's what was necessary. Um, it was, it, if you like, it was a process that Jesus had to go through in order for his offering of himself to to, to, um, to achieve what he came for. In other words, he couldn't just remain in heaven yeah, and pronounce that we were all saved. He had to go through a human life um, and offer himself uh, to God uh, to die for our sins in order for our sins to be taken away. Okay, so that's a long, long way of saying that. Sacrifice and, and all of that isn't part of our tradition, but it is part of the tradition of the Old Testament and up until the New Testament that um, when you bring an offering to God, there is, um, there is sacrifice. It, it's that sacrifice that, that brings you into the presence of God. It, it purifies you, it brings you into God's presence. And so those concepts would have been understood at that time in a way that we don't really relate to, okay? But what I really want to point out is that... Oh, I'm just going to read these verses again. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin let us then approach god's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because Jesus is that one, um, the one mediator, there is no other mediator between humanity and God. He is the one, he is the high priest. That's the image that's being used. And he is forever. And he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us forever we can approach the throne of God with confidence. It says here, since this is who Jesus is, since we have this great high priest, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. It's not about us. It's all about what Jesus did. What what Jesus did on the cross um, made the way for salvation for us. Yeah. I don't earn it. I can't achieve it by myself. I'll never be worthy of salvation on my own. Same for everybody else. Jesus did it all. And so we can now approach the throne of grace with confidence. Because whether we slip up, um, whether we take quite a tumble, If we are following Christ, what he's done is he's achieved salvation and we are walking with him. He is interceding for us. And so we can have that confidence as we approach the throne of grace. That our high priest is always there, always active, always interceding for us. And has offered himself as the perfect, if you like, sacrifice to God. Um, he has bought salvation for us. What a great truth. What, isn't, it, isn't it amazing? I was, I was talking to someone the other day. Um, and something bad has happened in her life. Uh, she's, she's, not, she's not a Christian. She's from a different religion. I'm not going to say what it is. And um, she kept saying to me, what have I done wrong that this has happened? And we had a discussion and we prayed together and and various other things. But I, I felt really sad that that was how she was feeling. That she didn't have a concept or didn't have a grasp of the fact that Jesus has taken, if you like, all of that away. Um, that we can't we can't earn good things and we can't earn bad things. <laughs> you know, we put ourselves in the hands of Christ. And he intercedes for us. Always. And um, I just felt, and that's going to be an ongoing conversation with her, which at some point I can... Address, I addressed it slightly, but address it more. That actually, it's not what we've done. Um, I know there are consequences for our actions, but this was something unassociated with anything she could ever have done. Um, But she felt she was being punished by God. Um, And the freedom that we have in Christ, because He's done it all, He's taken all of that away. He's taken everything, all our guilt, all our shame, all our condemnation away. And we trust in him and we come with confidence to the throne of grace because of what Jesus did. And what a wonderful message we have to give other people as well. So this Christmas, as we're celebrating and having great fun hopefully, and enjoying ourselves. Let us pray for opportunities to sow seeds in other people's lives of the great, the great confidence we can have before God because of Jesus. And when I slip up, I can ask God's forgiveness and he will forgive because Jesus has done it all. And I don't have to live in that fear of If I do something wrong, if I slip up here, that something terrible is going to happen over there. So let's rejoice as we, uh, as we continue in our time together, but then also as we go out from here and tell others about uh, Christ. For more information about Hardwick Evangelical Church please click the website link in our bio.